0: Hey everyone, welcome to Rudget Show, the show where I interview people who are reshaping what it means to live well in the 21st century. We talk the creator economy, learning and building in public, and how we can hack our way out of our most pressing issues. Enjoy. What's up, Alex? Thank you so much for joining me. It's- Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah, happy to be here. It's great to talk to you. There's so much to talk about. The, I, I like to tell people that this podcast is just the my hack for talking to cool people. And so you're definitely one person that strikes me as very cool in that you, we'll talk about it later, but you also just made a token, right? You let people invest in yourself and it's such a wacky thing for, I think, the majority of people. So I would love to talk about that. But first and foremost, how are you doing? What's going on?
1: I'm doing great. How are you, Richard? Yeah, super keen to chat to you and let's get into it.
0: Yeah, for sure. We were just talking about the potential of Bitcoin and Ethereum and, and your vision for both of those things. And as I told you, I was late to learning about Bitcoin and the different aspects of Bitcoin, but the more I, I read, About it, the more exciting it was for me in that we could build out a decentralized infrastructure on top of Bitcoin, and I think that's a trend we're seeing a lot just in this new creator economy. Is that power is moving from institutions to individuals, and so I think Bitcoin has a major role to play in that. But yeah, go ahead.
1: A hundred percent. I think Bitcoin was the technological breakthrough that made this industry happen. But the bigger and the more consumer facing at least change will be with creators, with social media, with finance, basically everyday things versus Bitcoin, which is more like gold, which is not something that you would typically own or at least transact with every day. But it allowed for the technology that will support the next financial infrastructure even like scrolling through social media. I feel like everyday interactions are going to be heavily impacted by blockchain the same way the internet as a whole impacts our lives.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about that a little bit because the blockchain right, creates some amount of trust. I can trade things with someone I don't necessarily know and I don't have to trust them. I just have to trust this ledger. And so you mentioned a few things that were interesting, but just specifically thinking about social media, what is your vision for how this technology could impact online creators on social media?
1: So, social media, I feel like suffers two major problems. The first one is that it is one private party that's effectively governing a public good, because as social media posting something is literally like putting out in the public. And I feel yeah, like the fact that it is centralized, this is structural, like this cannot be fixed unless uh, we create a decentralized protocol. And blockchain is amazing because it is a mechanism for creating credibly neutral platforms. We don't trust Facebook. We don't trust those companies. They actually have pretty poor ratings. People think they're seeing the data and this is this us versus them dichotomy that we need to fix and blockchain is uniquely positioned to do that because it's precisely creating a, a trusted environment that you can transparently trust you can encode what is cheating what is respecting the rules and this allows for new things and so one concrete thing is that creators will be able to directly monetize their content without going through a third party like facebook or twitter right now if you're famous on instagram or twitter you don't get money you can upsell with selling t-shirts or selling other things, but you can't monetize two million followers on Twitter, yet you are attracting so much revenue for Twitter itself that it feels like you're it, it's a steal. It feels like you're they're leveraging creators. And blockchain basically like reverses the role of creators and platform. And now platforms will serve creators instead of the opposite, where the creators can now move with their asset that they truly own on any single platform that they want. And so it will be quite competitive. And also the margins will be mostly reduced and they could basically like peer to peer transact if anything. So like owning back things online was uh, a dream and like something that was way too early a few years ago, but I feel like now is the right timing. And I can talk more about this, but I feel like social and consumer is the next biggest thing in crypto in the next
0: two years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think it's interesting in that it intersects with a shift we're seeing now with a lot of legacy media companies essentially dying and sort of power going towards. uh, I, I think this model of people paying exclusively for the information that they're interested in for example, someone paying to read someone's opinion on a Substack that's specifically tailored to to what they'd like to see is a proven uh, model. Is there anyone currently innovating on this idea of going directly to the creator with blockchain?
1: Yeah, yeah. So Substack is the first step to basically liberate creators from media and institutions media institutions are stuck because they have many employees, they have like loads of tradition. It's It just costs a lot of money and they can't really do a subscription payment because it, it drastically cuts the audience, right? So they have to go through free media and usually it's heavily sensationalist, uh, which is not good for anyone involved. And so this is a structural problem. Substack kind of fixes this where if you're famous, you actually, is you're better off leaving an institution and use your audience to directly monetize. And since it's only yourself, the limited cost actually is great. It doesn't matter because your audience is so big. But so we are pushing it over in crypto. There's a few protocols doing this. And I think one that is very interesting is instead of paying money, what if you could buy shares into a newsletter and you don't spend the shares. So what if you, you bought shares instead of paying a subscription? But the thing is, you do not sell the shares, you do not sell the tokens to access it, you just hold. And that's like a a magical uh, breakthrough because there's this newsletter called Jam, and it talks about crypto. And it was a Substack newsletter for a few years. And then the creator said, okay, I'm going to, instead of making people pay, I'm going to create a token. It will be called Jam. And to access the newsletter, you need to hold a hundred Jam. And there's a million jam, let's say. And so what happened is like people, it's not like 2017 and there was, you know, lots of ICOs and many scams and there was no real utility. It was basically to pay, but the best thing to pay people is basically the dollar still. Mm -hmm. And so here people like they held jam to access and unlock the content. But so by holding it, you are incentivized to make the newsletter better because you participate in the financial upside if the newsletter grows because more demand means that more people buy the token and then it trades higher on market. And so what happened is like people started sharing the Substack way more because the newsletter way more because they could get more people. And so suddenly what happened is like someone bought a ton and said, okay, now I am the community curator. I'm going to organize some events and stuff to bump the newsletter. And even further on, people said, okay, I'm going to buy a lot now and I'm going to try to submit my own newsletter on that, and so it created this emergent collective of newsletter writers, bottom up, where that was never seen before. The open source software ecosystem, but here Mm -hmm. it's for newsletter. And this is what crypto enables. They enable incentives that previously were only in the open source software developer, but instead of doing this just for this, it can be used to coordinate any activity whatsoever. And Mm -hmm. that's fascinating. And yeah, like Substack is just one person, but blockchain enables coordination at scale via tokens that represents like equity in something for accessing or whether for utility or for financial value. And uh, yeah, it's fascinating. And this is one example of newsletter being pushed forward. It's like, what if you could buy equity in a newsletter so that now it's like working at a startup, like you want incentivized for the community to succeed.
0: Exactly. It's this, it's this brilliant idea of aligning the financial incentives in a way that we see at yes. Lambda schools, in a way that I think income yes. sharing agreements are going to become more popular in the future. And and obviously you've actually done something like this. So is the way that this works, this relies on the relative scarcity of the the token, which in this case was Jam. Is that like a similar way to the way streetwear relies on hype or something like that to drive the value?
1: Right, yes. And actually, there are many uh, companies right now trying to recreate Yeezy and the streetwear hype uh, with crypto, and it's working pretty well. So, yeah, it doesn't have to be like a finite supply, but it has to be scarce. So, for instance, it is there. Yeah, there might be like one million tokens and you need like a hundred or a thousand to unlock it. And, but if the price gets too expensive or just to attract more people, you can inflate it. The U.S. inflates the dollar and you can inflate the supply. And so that way, it's really cool because you can make people earn your token for doing things that align with your community. So if you share that newsletter, you will get a hundred jam, for instance. And so that way, if you inflate more, you can dilute people who didn't do much and just sat there taking their profits. And you can encourage and always give more to people which are most active. So this is how the system works. Uh, yeah, it also works in actually uh, Yeezy and Streetwear it's been working quite well, actually. Like, you can buy a, a shoe online with blockchain, and the price is dynamic according to an algorithm, versus with the easy Adidas sells it at $200, and then people make profit for $1,000 or something. And here with blockchain, it's very easy to encode a price that's moving up or down according to buy and sell. Mm-hmm. And that way, the creator can retain all the hype pricing versus Kenny West is losing on the secondary sale. So it's interesting to see that way.
0: And one of the things that we talked about before, before we started recording, was this idea of identity. I'm really interested in how you got involved in this space and what's most exciting to you. Maybe if there were a moment or particular moments that really uh, showed you the potential of, and, and made you you know think that this is what you wanted to focus on.
1: So identity is very interesting as a primitive. We call it DID, decentralized ID in crypto because blockchain is, since blockchain is trustless, most of the first applications in crypto are anonymous because you don't need to prove who you are because the system encodes what is good and what is bad. But there's many things that actually need trust and there's many things that actually needs to put your your reputation on the line. So there's tons of examples, but for instance, my Alex token that I created, it's it did not have a trustless way of doing my income sharing agreement that I did, or to even guarantee that I would not run away with the money. I raised $20,000 in April this year from that token. And since there was no way for people to trust it, blockchain was just used because it was easier and faster than banking and it was global. So that's why I used the blockchain. but. Since there was no real incentive, putting my name on the token and putting my putting myself out there was a way to say I am using my identity as collateral. If I run away with the money, my reputation is ruined. Like people will hate me. This is one thing. And then there's tons of we can identity is such a huge rabbit hole. We can talk about some platforms like Uport or Bright ID or Sreebox, which are basically trying to do a profile from your Ethereum address where you can have a profile picture, a bio, and then you can port it over to any platform because there's no login in crypto. In crypto, you sign in with the wallets you already own and -hmm. you port your data over, but for now, it's just your balance account. It's just your financial address, but those platforms are trying to make some more customizable, more social uh, profiles this is going okay, but it doesn't have crazy traction because I don't feel like people want to create their identity per se. People want to access a product. Yeah. And the clear the thing would be people are attracted by a product and it happens that product has a function to create that profile but only do it when it's needed. Because right now, yeah, there are companies trying to tackle the IT. They want people to identify themselves. Maybe if it's something like taking a loan out and you need to put your name out there and your credit score, that's one use case where people are, will be, you're ready to do get it a loan. But identity on the blockchain, when it's just about killing your profile, will only attract pre-chasm people like innovators and just people who want to hack on things versus the mainstream audience.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's... It messes with your mind in the sense that now that the blockchain has abstracted away the details of who's doing business with who, we're also abstracting this idea of identity in that there needs to be some amount of trust in the system, as you spoke about. And obviously, hopefully, we'll get a little bit more into that in in terms of your motivation for doing that and, and lessons learned and stuff like that. But it's this idea of using your reputation or using your identity as leverage, right? Because in in certain cases, as you pointed out, you need to do that. And so, right, if the personal token isn't called Alex, does it see as much buy-in from investors? Or obviously the loan use case makes the most sense because that literally needs to be tied to your ability to pay them back the money.
1: Yeah. Yeah, 100%. This is why For instance, so in Ethereum, we extrapolated from Bitcoin and there's a new financial system that's coming and you can do borrowing and lending. It's like the first use case on Ethereum, yet it's never loans without collateral. Like you have to put actually more money in than you get out. And I created this community called the under-collateralized DeFi, which aimed to tackle that. And now there's a few startups uh, which are working on giving loans to people via blockchain. It was just impossible before. Blockchain so far, when we talk about borrowing and lending, it's speculators who are doing margin trading. So they are putting deposits on the side and they get slashed if they don't repay back or people who are already very wealthy. And so they can use their leverage as well. So yeah, this is such a huge problem because 99.9% of all money in the world is lent to some extent. Identity is key to solving this. Either identity or... If you could make it so that you can put collateral that people have already that's in their house and you could put your house token on the blockchain, that would be really cool. But I think we're still a few years away from that.
0: Right. It's certainly crazy that someone could raise that amount of money, but it, it is also nice in the sense that now the incentives are aligned. You're not dealing with institutions, but you're dealing with individuals. And so I think there actually is more trust there too so what right what inspired you to get involved and start learning more about ethereum and blockchain
1: so i i did a startup straight after three years of college at like 20 on three printing and it failed didn't really get along with my co-founders and says so that i need to pick like what program should i work on that is a technology that can improve the lives of people drastically in the next 10 years, but also a technology that is easy to enter as a newcomer with starting your career. And it seems AI is fascinating as a technology, AR, VR, but all of those are very high barriers to entry. Either you need tons of data or you need tons of funding. And really crypto and blockchain was the industry that was extremely, compared to them, that was extremely easy to enter. Like All the knowledge is public, all the knowledge is free. Uh, people are teaching about each other on Twitter. And so I try my best to integrate that ecosystem and it's been working well. I'm happy to, to have met incredible people that helped me along my journey. And so, yeah, I, I'm probably will stick to crypto for year for the years to come. And I really love it. And so this is why it's, it feels like this technology can do a lot of good. It can basically distribute wealth better in the world right now. and also is very accessible for someone like me. I can have a huge impact very early on versus other technologies. So this was my rational transfer crypto.
0: Mm -hmm. And this refrain that I hear from people all the time is that obviously people start from wanting to leverage technology to make people's lives better, as you said you did. And I think it's this idea of trying to match your unique skills with some sort of need. So what sort of, where did you see that fitting together for you in terms of these are the skills I have, and this is how I can make an impact using this technology?
1: So I arrived in crypto where there was a lot of developers working on decentralized finance and the building blocks of decentralized finance. And I think a lot of things were missing. And some of the things that I've done have been pretty well received, partly because it's so different from what people thought crypto was for. So, yeah, for instance, everyone is working on the maximalist, Bitcoin, trustless. I can be anonymous. I don't need anybody. I can build financial systems from scratch that will be better than the financial system. And this is amazing. And this is the foundational work needed for crypto. But I came in and I thought, okay, what can we push further than this? alongside MetaCartel, which is also an, an amazing community of people and, and founders in the crypto space. We're trying to push the application layer and what applications can you do? Sure, finance is the f- foundation, but what is enabled? What will consumer use every day? And I feel like this is what I fit in. And so, yeah, it started with MetaCartel, which now is a venture fund that is funding Ethereum startups. I also did Marketing DAO, which was aiming to market Ethereum to the masses, so doing marketing of blockchain. I also did Rocket, which was taking some digital items as collateral, like crypto art, like a pawn shop, pretty much. And then the Alex token, which was a way for me to be like Lambda School, like an ISA of myself. People could access my Telegram and my Discord using my token. And so all of those things are drastically different from. Decentralized finance. Although, like I keep in touch with this space a ton, so I know what's going on there. But yeah, it's more consumer-facing. I am quite. My, I guess one of my skills is marketing. I feel like I can phrase simple terms out of blockchain, which is sometimes complex to understand. And so, yeah, all of this contributed to contributing to the blockchain space in something that they did not. They were not as consumer-focused. For instance, they were more building infrastructure. And yeah, I feel like this is how I came in and I helped the space, but I'm just getting started.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's definitely true. You're 23 years old now.
1: I was 23 when I did my token. I just turned 24 like uh, three months ago, but yeah.
0: Congratulations. Thanks. yeah no it's super old but you mentioned this online community it's like i i I just don't know necessarily what it is because it's puzzling to me but you mentioned a marketing dao and and so you talked about trying to talk about and market the blockchain. right so what 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 was that process like
1: yeah in crypto there is this primitive called dao which is a new form of organization that is bottom up that basically doesn't need any founding team like pull grab or startup knowledge is telling you, and you can just start and anyone can pull money. And so we can coordinate better, align incentives, defeat the free riders problem of the tragedy of the common game theoretical problem. And yeah, marketing that was about what if everyone in crypto pulled a tiny bit of funding to help market Ethereum, to help market Ethereum to consumers, to give budgets to startups, to advertise Ethereum to uh, convince institutions to invest in Ethereum, to lobby governments, to pass Ethereum-friendly laws. as so this was the goal. And actually it did not really work out, but we tried our best and we had support from Consensus, which was really nice, which is one of the two uh, largest Ethereum entities. And uh, yeah, so that was the goal. And I think the, the lesson is that a DAO is extremely powerful. It can basically, it, it starts as a shared bank account, where anyone uh, can be voted in that bank account and have a say on where the money goes. Mm-hmm. And so that way you can build giants that were not possible before. It's really hard to trust someone with your money, but when on the blockchain that everyone has an equal say over when the money is going, that's really powerful. And they and marketing DAO used a mechanism that was fascinating. The framework was called Moloch DAO, which is a, a slate code dark, It's like this blog, Rational or something, that's pretty famous. An article on Moloch, which talks about aligning incentives and it's really powerful and and a great read for anyone who wants to understand crypto. And so basically the Moloch DAO system is we put money together. If one wants to spend money, there is a vote. The vote has no quorum. So even if one person says yes, that's fine. People don't have to click on yes, vote, yes, etc. Like it's much less friction. And then there's a grace period of whatever time you want, maybe like a week, let's say. And so for that week, if you disagree with the financial decision, you can leave. And so it's a perfect way to align incentives because basically people know that if they're passing something absurd, give me all the money, like I'm stealing you, I'm seeing you all and running away with the money, everyone will just withdraw before that grace period. Yeah. This was the genius of Moloch DAO, and it's been funded with millions of dollars so far, and, and so that way you can really coordinate people because they are incentivized to coordinate. They cannot deceive each other in the prisoner's dilemma; they have to collaborate. Like it is forced in the Moloch DAO ecosystem.
0: Yeah, it's forced in the best sense of the word, in, in that we talk about the ISAs before someone's invested in your future. Yes. So then they have an incentive to see you succeed. And I guess, yeah, the great part about that, which is definitely part of the reason that it it worked was that everyone had skin in the game and and that you couldn't join for free.
1: Yeah. My ISA was really cool. It was a pretty surprising that people were interested. I didn't know this would work, but Mm -hmm. it did pretty well. And now I've done other things than my ISA on top of the Alex token. Like you can unlock, if you have enough Alex, my telegram or you can see my newsletter that i publish every month and yeah it's pretty cool
0: that yeah that actually is super cool i'm i'm interested in in where did this idea of because i think you're only the second person to do it ever to let people invest in yourself where did this idea come from and what sort of response were you expecting
1: yeah there's basically no one who did it there's like maybe in crypto i think i'm the first ever to do a token kind of more publicly and there were some tries before but it was a much smaller scale and before that before me mike Merrill, he's like an artist yep. did a publicly traded himself and i know i've got to know mike and yeah he's interested by blockchain and stuff like he didn't know that it was so much it's so much easier to do it with crypto. So, the, I think the rationale and why I got with this idea, at least the, the first idea of Alex, because now it's multiple use cases, but the first idea was ISA uh, on chain. And it was because I come from the startup world. Like, I came to crypto as basically a founder, wanted to start companies. And I knew about the ISA space. Lambda School is pretty popular. But the startup people did not really understand that crypto was much easier to do an ISA. And the crypto people don't really know what ISA was. So I felt like I was the bridge between the two things. And I was like, okay, I'm probably gonna do it. And I did it and it did pretty well. But when I announced it, people were like, yeah, this sounds cool, we're happy to do it. It didn't feel like it was a huge backlash because usually in crypto, when you have a token, you can get some backlash, right? Especially in 2017, 2018, 2019, after the ICO boom, people were very skeptical of tokens. I feel like now this is gone. But I did it earlier this year, where it was a little bit tense to do it, but mm-hmm. it felt very genuine for my side. Like I wanted to like fundraise to be in San Francisco, which I am now, so it's great. It takes to the token, and yeah, this is basically what happened. It went pretty well, but yeah, when I actually did it, um, so sorry, like when I announced it, went pretty well, but like no huge noise. When I actually did it, this is when the media picked it up, and it went a bit crazy. And uh, I was like, okay, I might continue experimenting with this.
0: So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you initially started with one idea and you mentioned you built other things around on top of it. And so what one of the things that we promised you to talk about before is just how you ended up in SF. I guess if you could talk a little bit about it's, I have some idea why, but just talk a little bit about why you wanted to be in SF and then the story of how you ended up where you are.
1: I feel like uh, I've been to SF because um, it's the best place in the world for me to find capital and talent. And even with the remote world, I feel SF still has the physical world best part and can also have the best parts of the remote world. And rents are actually going down as well. So this is the reason why I really wanted to move to SF regardless.
0: I think it's great in that it's this idea that I've heard from other people where they just go and do exactly what they want to do. And I think that's an amazing thing. And that's sort of what you ended up doing as well, and that you wanted to be an SF and you willed your way there. But you also ended up raising a lot more money than it was just necessary to get to SF. But also- well, talk- I don't know. I feel like
1: $20,000 is pretty reasonable. No? That's yeah, that? you can check on market cap. I, yeah, I raised twenty thousand dollars to make it to SF. And actually, one of the reasons why I think this was successful is because 20000 dollars is not a crazy amount. Because I have to pay my visa slash green card, depending on what will actually happen with my lawyer, plus like just getting started before I need any. So I had a, I have a tiny financial question, but yeah, anyway.
0: <laughs> cool. And and what led you to choose this specific house?
1: So it was very random. So I was so COVID happened. So I was five months in the Bay Area last year because of like a French billionaire that has this philanthropic school that gives you free rent. So I was there for a little while. Then I came to Paris because of COVID back in March. And then I spent the first, the next few months in Paris. And then at my parents, and I was like, okay, I need to go out now. Like my goal was to be SF, And it's really hard because I announced just during COVID times, the Alex tokens. And I didn't realize that COVID would just block any travel at all in the world. So yeah, in August, I, I just basically said to myself, okay, like at least let, you know, let's find a place even in Europe so that you can focus on your own and be more productive. And I chose London and I stayed two months in London or something. And then there was this hacker house by on-deck fellows with on-deck is like this community of, of founders yep. that was in Mexico. And they were like, hey, we think you'll be a great fit. Like you're a consumer-facing founder, you're in tech, and like you're in crypto. It's quite interesting. It's different from like other tech stuff. So it was like on five days' notice. I go to Mexico for a month. And then whilst in Mexico, I realized that now I can legally make it to the US as a ah. European. The <laughs> borders between Mexico and San Francisco is open. And I'm That's like, funny. wait. I'm not going to go back to Europe, am I? <laughs> and so then I just, I'm on Clubhouse and I met this guy, Rory, Rory Hugh. And like, he was living on my room right now. And he was like, Hey dude, I'm, I'm leaving this place for three months. If you want to come by, there's a free seat for you. There's a free room for you. And I made it in. And it's funny because I knew some of those people from pioneer.app, which is like a online hackathon. And other different projects in the past. So it's very funny to be to get to know those people in real life that I knew already and to finally be in SF. So pretty crazy because at the start it was just me wanting to be like a week in London away from my parents. I just ended up being in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> That's okay, that was not what I was expecting. Yeah, the whole part of that story is the whole Mexico to SF thing. <laughs> That's an interesting hack you discovered. And what did you take away What did you like the most about being around other founders and and what did you learn from other people like that?
1: I guess osmosis is a big part. So unconsciously learning from being with them, learning with them, learning how they think, just being friends with them. And they really deeply influence you. So I guess this is what was really important for me because I'm a European. I was not born with people that are very ambitious and passionate about technology, passionate about working very hard. So it's great to basically rewire my brain. Also, I did lots of experiments in crypto and it doesn't really qualify me as a founder yet. I would say I've done a lot of experiments. I think, so I did a spirit called Rocket and I was in touch with some investors I did not raise funding then. I felt like this was too niche and I don't think that it, it could go very big, but now I'm trying to have a more ambitious project right now. And yeah, I do not know all those topics best practice, although it's my goal. And so, perfect timing to be with them and to be surrounded by those people. And uh, we'll see. But I think I, I should start a startup very soon, and uh, you might hear more about it in the coming months.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Sorry. Oh yeah, yeah go no, on. go ahead, go ahead.
1: Oh yeah, I just I just was saying, yeah, like I'm super excited, and yeah. So the takeaway is being surrounded by founders basically makes you a better founder, I think. Some people might not need it and, and do everything from their houses, but I felt like it was useful for me to learn from those people. Yeah. Anyway.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah, so talk a little bit about what you're, actually to get back to what you said earlier, I, I just wanted to touch on this before we move on to a new topic is just that you had the Alex token, right? You do this ISA, you raise enough money to go to SF. And then you start thinking, what can I build around this? What were the considerations that you had in mind in terms of how can I maximize the value from my personal token, and how can I? To do that, you obviously had to enrich other people. So, what was that process like?
1: I I I wouldn't say. So at first, I was quite confused by the Alex token long term utility because it started as an ISA worth of worth twenty thousand dollars that was raised in April, but then after April, if you did not buy the $20,000, the Alex trading on the market would not give you any ISA. I started doing many experiments and starting helping out and, and releasing some new things. Like I did a, this thing called Control My Life where people could vote with the Alex token on what they on what they wanted me to do in July, like run five miles a day or something like this. And I did run uh, five kilometers every day. That was quite fun in July. So I did this. I also uh, did like a Telegram group where people could be in it. And if they sold their Alex token, the bot would kick them out. So it was a pretty fun uh, thing to have a Telegram with no haters because no one, no, no hater would pay Alex token to get into the group. So it's a pretty fun way of just having people who care about you and who want to help out that I've done a newsletter. And I think, and this is basically something that I'm telling people, it's my secret, is that my next startup is going to be a protocol. And my protocol will have equities through the form of a token. And I am going to give a small percentage of the protocol token to every Alex holder. And that's my way of saying, thank you so much for believing in me. You deserve equity in my next startup because you enabled that partly and this is what's going to happen and i'm very excited for when this happens i'm still not to the stage where i i I probably will start with an equity based startup like raising capital like a normal startup but then when it turns into a protocol i'm very excited to give a tiny part to alex holders that believed in me because it's like a self-created list of people who are keen to support me and support this experimentation not just for me but for young founders in general wanting to break in if you're not born in silicon valley I, I was born in Paris, I'm not like not privileged by any means, but I was never into that tech world. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting. It was an interesting way to break it. It's yeah, like not doing the chill Fellowship, but like creating my own chill Fellowship where anyone could invest.
0: <laughs> that's funny. Um, yeah, that's a funny way to think about yeah. it. Yeah. So I guess, you, what's the project that you're devoting most of your time to now?
1: yeah, so it's very interesting because when I did my token, a lot of investors or people were telling me, if you can make a platform where anyone could do what you've done at mm. scale, that would be very successful. But the problem is, and I know this firsthand because I created my token, it's really hard to make utility of it. Everything that I told you, the ISA, the control my life, the telegram group, the the email, it's I worked with some teams to integrate my token manually. There is no standardization whatsoever. There's also a lot of trust issues because, okay, I'm like this one kid in crypto that was really out there. I built my audience, so it's okay to trust that person. But so if it was relying on trust and it was some anonymous guy who runs away with the money, that's really bad. And so there was basically the feeling that it was too early. I'm an exception. I'm a pioneer. I was like showcasing what the future would be like, but it's really hard to scale it right now. And then I realized one thing in crypto that is booming uh, right now is digital items. So digital art uh, collectibles, this is really booming. Like in January, 2020, the market basically did not exist. And now I think there's 25 million of volume from zero this year in digital art and item, including 3.5 million three 5 million three days ago by this artist called Beeple that sold millions of dollars of items. And it's really interesting. And so I'm building a legal platform that will take those digital items, crypto art and collectibles. But instead of the current status quo of marketplaces, I want to do more of a social platform where people can like, can share, can comment. I think this will be very interesting to see. And yeah, working on this right now, I'm excited to, to show you when this is live and would love your feedback and, and like your thoughts. But yeah, this is what I'm working on. I feel like social media in crypto was always a bad idea. It was always too early yeah but this new primitive is booming, and it's not something that I have to create from scratch. I can Curie those new types of digital assets in my platform, so my platform would already start with tens of thousands of pieces of content from day one, which I find interesting, and we'll see how it goes, but yeah, that's my project. It's called Showtime
0: uh-huh yeah, that's a great name and and one of the questions I had when you were talking about. The difficulties around creating a personal token is just how you pinned that token down to a value, right? Because that would need to be determined by an algorithm based on how much people are paying for the Alex token and, and how many are owned and stuff like that, right?
1: Yeah, the pricing of the Alex token went through many different things. Yeah, I think I was so early now we know way more as an industry about how to price social tokens, which is the name of that primitive. Mm-hmm. At first, I sold it. I I, I sold the twenty thousand dollars through Alex tokens, and so it was pressing the Alex token at I think two cents or something, mm-hmm. uh, or one cent. I forgot. But yeah, like buying in is not really the best way to do so because you're forcing a price on the market. But really, the market should decide how much is the Alex token worth and. So what happened is like I, we put some in Uniswap with the token issuer of Alex called Roll. And yeah, it's been, uh, the token has been up pretty much every time I've done a new product or announcement because people wanted to use that token uh, for that specific feature I was launching every time. And so it felt like the token price re- reflected my popularity. It did not really reflect how good I was, but more like how popular my post was. And then it's also correlated to like wider price movements in crypto. So if there's like a huge bull market, the Alex token probably will go up. But so far, it's been very reasonable. The price has been very reasonable. The market cap has been very reasonable. So I'm very proud of this because if this was like 15 million market cap, I would feel very bad and like feel like I'm way too wealthy and because I still own a lot of Alex tokens. So yeah, it's been like right now, it's very tiny. Actually, it's 200K, 300K. So I feel like this is a very controlled experiment that did not go wrong, and I'm very happy about this. And the price right now is something like four cents, five cents. There's 10 million of it, but the actual market cap is smaller because the 10 million I'm not circulating right now. So yeah, that, that's my that's my take on on the price, um, right. and it's fully market based.
0: Right, yeah. you used Uniswap to expose it to yes. what the market wanted, which. I guess, yeah, is exactly right. For anyone else who would probably try to do that, I guess there is the difficulty, oh, I should just start out by pricing at $10, but it's actually just let the market decide. And so the, the last question that I always ask people in my interviews, which you've touched on a little bit already, is just what excites you the most about the future?
1: What excites me the most about the future in crypto? It's that it still will be reaching billions of people. That will mean be better financial products for them, uh, better monetization. We saw people, he sold $3.5 million of tokens. He had millions of followers on Instagram, never made money because Instagram was making money without the market having a say. It was just Instagram like being a rent seeker. And now the market had a say. And that artist is now a multi-millionaire, which makes so much sense because that person was very famous anyway. Mm-hmm. And yeah, making online creators, being wealthy, even users in the future, just scrolling social media and sharing things, making a bit of money, everyone having better financial products would be awesome. so the internet of finance and, and value, I think I'm very excited about that. Just gives so much more opportunities to everyone on earth. So that's exciting. And then further than crypto, I'm very interested in longevity which is a uh, radical life extension, living as long as possible. Mm-hmm. A lot of people a lot of people really are interested in this and I've met some interesting people in, in San Francisco talking about this. So obviously this is what excites me about the future is having a great life as long as possible and as healthy as possible. Mm-hmm.
0: That's, that's certainly an admirable goal. And it's so exciting to talk to you too, just because that you've lived the things that you're talking about. And it'll be very interesting to see where your life takes you. Cause it's this microcosm of our own awareness and appreciation of the industry. So again, I appreciate, I really appreciate you making the time and thanks so much for talking to me.
1: Thank you so much, Rajid. That was really nice to chat.
0: Awesome. Take care, man.
1: Excited about your book. Yeah.
0: Appreciate take it. Care. Appreciate it. I'll send you a copy. Maybe we'll use some tokens for Woo! that too.
1: Yes. Yeah. I'll give you some Alex like, for sure.
0: <laughs> appreciate that, man. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Please like, subscribe, tweet, text, and share so that more people can find the podcast. Take care, and we'll see you next time.